0: Captain? Signatures detected. Shield up.
1: Signatures
2: detected. Context Selfie Command. Context Selfie Command.
1: Delay that order.
2: Context Selfie Command. This is the captain. Context Selfie Command.
1: Get out of my chair. 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 We have engaged the Klingons. Klingons.
2: Klingons.
1: Welcome to The Greatest Discovery. It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of The Greatest Generation. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Good morning, Ben. <laughs> Again, a fine morning to you, sir. I think body time mm-hmm.
0: this might be the very earliest show we've ever recorded right in in birdie time,
1: <laughs> I should say <laughs> we are relishing in our birdies.
0: yeah, this is uh nine a m birdie time
1: yeah. You know, we have a rule. We don't go wheels up before 10 a.m. It's true. It's a, the Benjamin
0: R. Harrison rule.
1: Yeah. But uh, <laughs> we're breaking rules left and right today because we went wheels up at 945 to get here to Chicago. Yeah. It's now 11 a.m. Chicago time. It's true. I had a great night's sleep last night, to be honest.
0: You slept like a man with a tummy full of Portillo's. <laughs> That's the brand promise of Portillo's, I believe. Yeah. Put your right to sleep. I also slept well, but I feel like right now, Mm -hmm. like in the immediate term, you and I just went out for big coffees and big green smoothies. Yeah. I just basically pounded one and nothing happened. (laughs) And I feel like, you know, there's that moment in every war movie where the guy that we learned one fact about has stepped on a mine and he's just like... He
1: stops the rest of the team from walking. Right. If he picks his foot up, he's done for. But there's not really much anybody can do about it. I feel like
0: I stepped on the green smoothie mine and anything could happen.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the backstage bathroom is not going to know what hit it tonight. We're recording from your hotel room. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think I can make it back to mine if I had to. I hope so. It's an, it's
1: an elevator right away. You're way higher in the uh, in the hotel than I am.
0: I promise. I, I feel like there is a, uh, you know, like the idea of no pooping in the RV or the tour bus. This right. is this is a well known idea. Mm-hmm. I don't think you poop in another person's hotel room. You go back to your own hotel room.
1: Yeah, I would say it would have to be like a pretty like emergent situation. Or feel... you like check in and only one room is ready. Sure, right. But still,
0: man, I couldn't do that to you. Uh, I care about heck. our friendship. I know it doesn't seem that way, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I do. Oh man, go go sick. Use it. I don't care. It's not, I'm not going to have that bathroom after tomorrow. I am a bathroom hypocrite, though. I would care. <laughs> <laughs> we have friends who have uh, who host touring podcasts. Uh, who do not socialize when they're on tour. Yeah. They don't, you know, not all podcast partnerships yeah. have friendships attendant to them. Yeah. and we, We're just not there yet. I mean, a couple of years probably. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they go out on tour. They have separate hotels. Like, they don't even that stay in the same building. That is weird. <laughs> I don't
0: understand the stay in completely
1: separate hotels thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Also, like, really, like, high-profile podcasters who, like, won't stay in the same hotel as other podcasters because they feel like they're too famous. Wow. You know? Well, we'll, it's a good thing we'll never be at that level. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice to just be here in the middle class, you know? Yeah. Where we belong.
2: I hear middle-class guilt.
0: It's okay to be
1: satisfied in your equilibrium, right? I mean... (laughs) I would, love, I would love to just get a feeling of satisfaction ever in my life.
0: <laughs> I'm going into this tour in a strangely blissed out yeah? feeling. Like, there have been, I mean, check in with me an hour before show. <laughs> but, like, leading up to this tour and now that we're on the road, I'm, like, filled with a just happy to be here kind of vibe. It In a very healthy way, in a way that I've never had
1: I admire the hell out of that, man. we're so we're recording from Chicago the day of our Chicago live show, yeah, so
0: we'll be doing two shows in one day, mhm on a tour stop, which is rare, yeah, actually, it, Chicago is a place notably where we've done two shows in one day. we did we did back to backs,
1: yeah, we did back to backs at Lincoln Hall. We're not selling the, that well this year.
0: <laughs> I love the Lincoln Hall because they were like, A couple years ago, they were like, holy shit, you sold out the first one. Let's add a second. There were like two dozen people at the second show.
1: (laughs) That was a very intimate evening with Ben and Adam. Yeah. Yeah. And more than half of them, I want to say, had just stayed from the first show. And I was like, you know that this is just going to be the same (laughs) fucking bullshit one more time, right? Yeah, man. Yeah. I'm glad we're starting here. This is good. Oh, man. Well, uh, should we get into uh, Season 2, Episode 4 of Star Trek Picard? Let's do it, Ben. It's called Watcher. Watcher.
0: We open above Chateau Picard, and then we zoom over to
1: the crashed La Serena. This is it, the effects shot for me, who was like, where are they? Yeah, yeah, this answers that question. I, I feel like they, they must have, like, had some test audiences go like, what's this dark forest that they crashed into? Picard is doing that old man
0: thing where he's
1: blowing in calls
0: to people, and none of them are picking up. <laughs> this has got to be so annoying to Girardi to just be in the room for. Hello! <laughs> Is anyone there? <laughs> Someone
1: answer. Anybody? <laughs> this girl I'm staying here with almost became a Borg, and now I'm scared and disoriented.
0: If I'm Jurati, I go anywhere else in the ship
1: during this. <laughs> yeah, the La Sirene is such an interesting ship because you can see so deep into it. Yeah. And like I feel like they're really making great use of that in the compositions in this season. Like... There's it's made for that scope aspect ratio. Like the, the haunted Borg section is way back there. Mm-hmm. And, and like you can kind of always catch it in an eyeline. Yeah. And so, yeah. So she, she is just kind of uh, riding side saddle as Picard tries to reach the away team. But because there are no relays in this time period, comms do not work. You can beam someone to the other side of the planet, but you can't raise them on the, on the communicator. Yeah. <sighs> For, I guess. <laughs> I mean,
0: I, I'll go with the show on that. Uh uh-huh. Yeah, I'm down to clown. <laughs> Rafi and Seven arrive at the Free Clinic, which was the last place that they picked up the signal from Rios. And they don't find him there, but they do find an orderly who tells them that Rios was taken by ICE. And then, totally unsolicited, shares some pretty strong feelings about... <laughs> immigration control yeah
2: you know those assholes
1: it was a narrow miss it seems like they just missed them right yeah and we learn in this episode that raffi is packing like they were they were told in no uncertain terms Actually, I think in the recap, it shows that Rafi walked away before they had the conversation about don't bring anything. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's plausible that she just didn't hear that part. Yeah, she, she would have followed the rules, but yeah. but wasn't here when they were read out. But yeah, like I wonder if she would have started licking shots at ice if they'd shown up and found rios like getting arrested this is a show that deeply
0: wants to give us that scene why else would i be here i I am, <laughs> I am sprung for that scene man this is an episode that's gonna do this a lot but just the the orderly pushing the mop and then putting her arms up on it just to deliver a diatribe about <laughs> ice is a late motif. <laughs>
1: It is on it this is. season of the show. Yeah. I'm here for it, man. Yeah. <laughs> More shows about how fucked up ice is is uh is something I think we could use. So back to the La Serena where Picard continues to try and raise people on the comms. Dr. Girati has wrapped herself in a blanket. You know, this is one of those workplaces where they have the temperature set to what is comfortable for the gentleman in the room and the women are all freezing. I had a different
0: takeaway on this. Like, Picard is the old—nearly
2: a century at this point.
0: Yeah. And I would have expected the old to be cold, but Picard is also a golem. Ray. Does he not feel temperature the way an old would because of it?
1: Oh, maybe, maybe not. I, I
0: you know, I can't be sure because nobody can explain it to me.
1: You see, Doctor, I am always warm. <laughs> <laughs> i also wondered about the bq you think the borg because she she also has way less body mass and is like hung up in the middle of the room where it's real drafty
0: we don't know enough about the golem like could picard offer up his body as a tauntaun to keep
1: Gerardi <laughs> warm here oh i need a drink Yeah, I think that in TNG, we had like seven seasons to explore different aspects of what it was like to be Data. Like, I don't think he was like bending pipes in half in season one, episode one, you know? Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like at the end
0: of the last season of Picard, they really breezily said, yeah, you're just going to feel and act exactly like you did as a human. Yeah. We programmed
1: it to keep aging. (laughs) With
0: no further description. Yeah. Yeah. But just because you appear to be a certain way, Ben, doesn't mean that's how you feel inside. Wow.
1: <laughs> so you'd like this show to go more in a direction of uh, people expressing their trauma to each other? No. Back and forth?
0: Definitely not. But I could use that scene like out of Terminator 2 where Schwarzenegger slices through his forearm and, and, and unwraps, yeah. unwraps his skin. Like, is that something that Picard could do?
1: I think yes. Yeah, I will take your word for it. I think at the end of uh, season three, he'll uh, lower himself down into some lava. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, guys. Love you all. So Gerardi's cold
0: and Picard is like, fine, <laughs> I'll take you to the chateau and start a fire. And so that's where they head. Yeah. They cloak the ship after leaving, though. Or no, before leaving, they have to cloak the ship. Right. We don't see them walk off a cloaked ship,
1: which was a moment that I wanted. I mean, for an episode that rings the Star Trek four bell as many times as this one does, yeah, it would have been fun to see the ramp open up under the cloaked La Arena.
0: Right. Interesting backstory
1: to Chateau Picard here. Yeah. It was a Nazi base. And Picard's ancestors hid out in the tunnels before fleeing to England, which I guess maybe is like backstory on why he's got such a fetish for T year old Grey Hot. Some parts of the family stayed, <laughs> the Vichy parts. Yeah. <laughs> old Vichy Picard my great 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 uncle kind of the black sheep of the family
0: (laughs) it's a real uh, house in the Schmitz gay SNL commercial situation (laughs) they walk in and Jurati's like no fire (laughs) this place is a
1: dump just wait till you see the pool Wait till you see the disturbing
2: flashbacks.
0: (laughs) 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 Unclear whether or not Picard's flashbacks are things like he's being seized with. Like does he want these flashbacks to happen is this evidence of something bad happening to him, or is this just a guy feeling nostalgic looking in a room, remembering the times that he had there
1: yeah, i don't I don't know. It does seem like um he was really caught in them in a way, like yeah, like when uh Jurati is like snapping her fingers and going like, "Hey, what's going on? Hey, buddy, she sure does call him Mr a lot, yeah. Was that? I was trying to remember if she's done that a bunch before or not. I wonder if that's a
0: callback to Sulu, like from Star Trek Six, like when Christian Slater wakes him up and Sulu's like, "I know my door was left open." And still, does that mean I would like to be woken up,
1: Mister? <laughs> Sue me for forgetting to hang a gym sack from my door handle. <laughs> These sliding doors don't allow for that. (laughs) I was taught by Captain Kirk to always
0: record a log with the door open. (laughs) I took that one step
1: further by by also sleeping with the door open. (laughs) This movie will change that for everyone.
0: (laughs) So we get a flashback with young Picard, the next... Star Trek television series on CBS. Uh-huh. CBS mainline <laughs> is where they're going to have young
1: Picard. Yeah. I mean, we've already seen this, right? The death of the album. Like people just play individual tracks from albums. Yeah. In the future, people will play individual verses from songs. Wow,
0: yeah. Like an even smaller fraction of Spotify payments to the to the Edith Piaf
1: <laughs> State. estate. Yeah. The Edith Piaf estate has paid 0.00001 yeah. space credits. I mean, it's a good thing we're post currency yeah. in this timeline. <sighs> Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how Edith Piaf's descendants would stay in house and home yeah. if not for that.
0: Yeah, so we get another puzzle piece into the Picard as
1: Bruce Wayne story. It also becomes clear in their conversation that gerardi has like taken more from the Queen's mind than she has ready access to. She learned a lot, but it is kind of... I guess buried in her subconscious or something. So,
0: she's kind of cause and affecting, right? Like remember uh Data in the poker scene kept on dealing the same card?
1: This is
2: highly improbable.
1: Right. She keeps on making 15s happen. Yeah, she pulls out a 109-year-old bottle of wine. Yeah. From 1915? That's just got to be vinegar, right? They might as well toss a salad in that. <laughs> Dr. Jurati. <Girardi. laughs> Would you like to toss my salad? <laughs> That's not what I meant. <laughs> He's old enough to be her grandfather.
2: Turns out that uh, afternoon naps and jigsaw puzzles are not quite my speed.
0: So it is weird, like there is some stickiness from what Gerardi has done with the Borg's Queen. Yeah. What they surmise by all these 15s is that it must mean that because today in Showtime is April 12th, what she keeps conjuring is the number 15, which would mean their deadline to solve the mystery is three days from now on April 15th. Yeah. Tax day. <laughs> 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 when our time
1: travel debts become due. I
2: suppose we all have to pay the piper sometime. Right, Q?
1: April 15th, the two-year anniversary of the Double Dumbass Tour <laughs> live in Brooklyn. <laughs> And uh, that's the dun 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 to theme. Yeah. Do you think that that is intentionally facile? Like they will find out that 15 is significant for a different reason? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Good.
0: (laughs) After the theme, we're on a bus with Raffi and Seven, where the punk from Star Trek IV is still blasting music on buses and is definitely still dealing with some trauma over the last time he was confronted for doing it.
2: Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry.
1: Apologies. And it's the same guy, right? It is. Yeah, yeah this is uh, Kirk Thatcher That's reprising so awesome. his
0: role.
2: I just like that song. Uh,
1: he did a voiceover in a short Trex. He's had like some loose association with the Star Trek industrial complex for his entire career, but he also... like directs like Muppet things and it's like he's he's a really cool a really cool cool CV and he'd probably be a really fun person to get to talk to at some point yeah note to self
0: this is maybe the greatest leap in science fiction here is that you could just ask someone to not do an annoying thing on public transportation and they,
1: and they do it. <laughs> but if it's this guy, right? Like, Yeah. <laughs> this guy's been through some shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this bus also has the Europa Mission ad on it. Uh, yeah. And we've seen this ad on buildings a couple of times in the previous episode. I'm wondering if there is any significance to the Europa missions or if it's just... I'd be surprised if they
0: just gave us this and then didn't do anything with it. Yeah. It's got to be going somewhere.
1: Because it keeps showing up. Yeah. Where are you going with this?
0: Another thing that keeps showing up is Raffi's grief in struggling with Elnor's death.
1: Yeah. I was kind of expecting this scene to become long and and involved just because of the recency bias of Disco and this is just such a different type of show. Yeah. It is a reminder of where her character is at emotionally and motivationally. Right. Without becoming the point of the scene. Right.
0: That's a great comparison. I mean, on Discovery this Bus makes all the stops toward Grieftown. <laughs> and I,
1: on Picard, it's more of an express. It's an express bus, yeah. Speaking of Picard, he has decided that it's time for him to go on his own away mission with the coordinates that they've received from the Queen. So he is getting ready to beam away and getting ready to leave Dr. gerardi behind, which she takes great umbrage, but he's like, no, you need to stay here and get the communications going. I know you were very
0: excited to get assimilated by her in the very last
1: episode, but I'm going to leave you two alone now. <laughs> Somebody that is very trustworthy and not uh, a wild card needs to be left to watch the ship and the Borg Queen.
0: I get it. I get it. He's got to go solo from here, but this feels like a setup, a setup in a bad way, because as soon as Picard beams out, the Borg's queen starts talking shit from the Compusifix that that she's been uh, stationed at kind of suggesting that a, like, first hit is free kind of vibe to the assimilation that happened before. Like,
1: you're going to want this. Yeah. You're going to want back in. I'm telling you.
2: You felt well. it too, didn't you?
1: I mean, you interpreted as talking shit. I kind of interpreted it as, like, negging. Like, almost yeah. like she's, like, saying stuff to intentionally get a rise out of body so she engages. Yeah. And you know the thing about uh oh you're such a loner like kind of forces a reaction in a gross pickup artisty kind of way the dialogue
0: here emphasizes the idea that this is a scene that you get a lot with characters who are imprisoned like they're behind bars and they're talking shit Mm -hmm. to the officer outside and visually it doesn't look that way because she appears to be free but dialogue does emphasize throughout these scenes just how stuck the queen is totally
1: so the spot that Picard materializes is a spot that we've already been, but we went there in the future. It's 10 forward. Yeah, it's got a real uh,
0: Biff's Casino vibe from Back to the Future 2 <laughs> at this point.
1: Yeah. And uh, he's really, really excited to to be at 10 forward because this is a place that he knows. And it was really fun to see the different version of the same place. Yeah. like, And I was really excited looking around the the set because i realized that the ten forward experience that we went to had way more like screen use stuff than just the bar like there yeah. there were signs on the wall that are are in these shots there's like the radiator we were like we were looking at this radiator at the 10 forward experience and i was like why is there a radiator in here and then i touched it and it was made out of like foam rubber Mm. and it was just painted to look like a radiator which i guess is just like a thing that you can get from a prop rental in los angeles yeah the rubber radiator and that radiator is in here yeah (laughs) you don't want to
0: be wheeling around a real radiator no it's too much too, too heavy too much to schlep Picard feels so comfortable inside ten forward that he goes ahead and grabs himself a bottle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wouldn't grab a bottle out of your liquor cabinet. <laughs> Why not? Just go for it, man. I I just think if you have a friend with a bar, mm-hmm. I don't think you you reach into the speed well. <laughs> I don't care how close of a friendship you have. Yeah. Fair. And Picard gets rightly chastised by a woman behind the bar. Yeah. Put it back. Bar's closed.
1: It's uh, another series coming to CBS. It's young Guinan. Yeah. Uh, Younger uh, Guinan.
0: Along with Luna the dog. Yeah. Is Luna number one? I
1: don't think so. I think she's just another pit bull. And Peace Dude loves pit bulls so much that he, like, insists on more pit bull material in the show. Which is why I'm guessing he is
0: it's because the dog kind of does a lot in this scene for no motivated reason like that guy comes and picks up the dog yeah. and like gets sent home with a basket of treats and stuff like right. why do all that in this scene i understand like gynan's giving away all her shit and she's getting ready to move and whatever but right. it seems like a lot of emphasis on the dog for it to just be gynan's dog maybe
1: so maybe it's an El-Lorean pit bull and it was very long-lived that's what i'm saying wow Would never have uh, put that together. Good theory. I like your theory.
0: That's where I'm at with it. pit Pitbull. Hell yeah. Yeah.
1: So this is like the only bar on contemporary Earth that has Saurian Brandy that you can order. Right. You know, she's Alorian, but she does not like recognize Picard or like that he has allowed himself to come into her bar and help himself to her booze. She's uh, not here for it. And he's... Trying to kind of make himself known to her without smushing any butterflies, but he does drop the EA bomb on her. Yikes! <laughs> just because you hear it in some rap music, Picard doesn't
0: mean that you can just use that. That's in conversa- her term. <laughs> in conversation.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Were there a record playing in this scene, it would skip. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she does pull out a shotgun and aim it at his head. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That was I, a really intense shotgun. I did not want to cut away from this scene, but we do. We're back with Rafi and Seven yeah. at their local LAPD station asking about Rios. God damn it! You're law enforcement for the city, right? And this scene unfairly depicts the desk person as kind of an idiot or whatever. But Seven and Raffi are the idiots. They're in the wrong spot.
1: Yeah, I didn't think that it was depicting her as an idiot. More is just like, I cannot help you. And I don't know what else I can say to express that to you
0: and seven don't understand the complexity of the systems that they're dealing with but a person in the reception area does and hips them to the idea that uh they're in the wrong office
1: yeah i wonder (laughs) this guy had like enough lines that i was like i wonder if this guy's gonna be like a character this season what is he doing there he's just hanging out eating a bag of funyuns i guess you know he explains that ice and lapd don't communicate that much and if your buddy is in ice you better find him real quick because ice will disappear him basically do you
0: think the show is being intentional about separating the lapd
1: from ice so that we don't hate all of them oh with um, a, with a scene like this i mean i think it's realistic like i think that the like district attorney in LA has ordered local law enforcement not to like cooperate with ice. So I Mm -hmm. think that that actually may be just like factual (laughs) more or less.
0: Right. But the intentionality I'm saying might come from the idea that if you live in certain parts of the country, you might not just be aware of the difference.
1: Yeah. Like we heard about sanctuary cities for so much of 2016 and 2017 and then like didn't hear about it a lot after that. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that probably like most of the local ordinances that make LA one are still in place. And I wouldn't expect them to be repealed by 2024.
0: Right. (laughs) So if you're wondering what an ICE detention center looks like, it looks like a parking garage with chain link fence and a couple of heat lamps
1: on the outside. I wondered if they were writing... Toward a kind of convergence with this and past tense. Because this really gave me the vibes of the nightmare ghetto that Cisco yeah. visits. By the early 2020s, there was a place
2: like this in every major city in the United States.
1: And there are some references to those episodes in, in this episode. This is a, a pretty grim situation. And the ICE officers are trying to like manipulate people into signing stuff that will forced their deportation and stuff and rios is getting very morally indignant before he gets tased and falls on a very conveniently placed mat on the floor <laughs> do you think that the cartoonish brand of cruelty
0: that this like main ice character has helps or hurts the idea of ice being bad I was kind of put off by, like, just how 10 out of 10 this guy was in the cruelty department. Because there's something to me that is so much more scary about, like, efficient and cold cruelty than, like, high school
1: jock bully cruelty, which is, like, just dumb fuck you cruelty, you know? I mean unfortunately i think this tracks like i feel like we have enough reports out of these kinds of facilities that it is this kind of cruelty Mm -hmm. and that's like i mean like i'm sure that there are people that like administer you know are more at the administrative level of ice that are more that Mm -hmm. other thing but i think that the people that uh, are running these facilities are kind of encouraged to be Bad jailers, you know, and make it really like hostile and uncomfortable.
0: Whatever you do, it's so important to just love your job if you can. Right, and, and, this guy and find some joy
1: in it. Found something that that he has a zest for. Yeah. You know,
0: well, like Brian, for example, has thirty-seven pieces of flair on today. Okay, a terrific smile. Teresa's there too, which is nice. It's not just Rio's there are getting tased. Teresa doesn't get tased. It seems like she's going to be all right. Like, yeah. She's been through this before. The mystery is for Rios, but they do make some serious eye jammies at each other. It appears as though like the attraction of the earlier scenes yeah. remains. Yeah. She she just so so happens to be attracted to
1: men with two fingers taped together. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to, I mean, we're going to meet a watcher. Uh, if we meet a traveler, she might... Uh, oh, wow. She, her eye might stray from Rios. <laughs> Which is as it should be.
0: What do you think of when you think of male grooming? Maybe it's a sharp haircut and a little bit of product. Or a bit of the old beard wax twisted into the ends of a mustache. Maybe it's a shower, a shave, a little spritz of fragrance. Me? I think of shaving my nuts. And not just my nuts, all around those nuts. I'm talking all around those nuts. And this form of male grooming is hard to do when your junk looks like a log of Play-Doh rolled through a dustpan in a barber shop. It's wrinkly, it's wriggly, nothing stays in place, and it's the one area where you don't want to have an accident. That's why I'm glad we're sponsored by the spring cleaning champions at Manscaped. They sent me their brand new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It's their fifth generation trimmer featuring two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blade heads. A standard one for taking a little bit off the top. and A new foil blade to go smooth, wherever your heart desires. They also sent me an extra large Manscaped t-shirt, which I will never wear, but it was nice of them to do. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in your pants.
1: I spent a lot of last week sick in bed. And one thing I was so happy I had when I needed something to eat but didn't really have the energy to cook myself something was Factor Meals. Got a couple of these in the fridge at all times, and they are delicious, fresh, never-frozen, chef-crafted meals and they're ready to go in just about two minutes. And this is convenience food that is actually tasty and full of real ingredients and not hyper-processed crap. And they got you covered all throughout the day. They got pancakes, smoothies, grab-and-go bites, and uh, you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause and reschedule deliveries at any time. So head to factormeals.com trek50 and use code TREK50 to get 50% off. That's code TREK50 at factormeals.com slash TREK50
2: to get 50% off. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Drive. (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by
1: searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org.
2: What? What?
0: What? What? What's happening? What's all this? I'm trying to save
2: you. What is this?
0: Back in 10 Forward, Guinan and Picard talk about why he called her that word earlier yeah and she is from here and pretty much throughout the rest of the episode totally impatient with Picard and all of his shit yeah
1: she's drinking with him but at gunpoint
0: (laughs) and this is the scene where some dude named Dale comes in to pick up who I'm (laughs) going to call number one and a basket of stuff and Guinan gets super emotional from this exchange and I read it as I'm giving away all my stuff and the hardest thing to get rid of is the dog. Yeah. Because I'm leaving the planet. And this moment was super touching to me.
1: It was for me as well. It's like meeting someone on the saddest day of their life kind of energy for for Guinan. And I thought the actor did a really great job of getting us there without a ton of direct dialogue to describe that. Situation Like her wordless acting in this scene is really intense. And, you know, the camera goes close on her for a lot of it. I think
0: a lot, you know, rightfully gets made of who's playing Kirk and Pike and whoever, like the recasted people yeah. on New Star Trek. But low key, a pretty big mantle to carry is Guinan's hat. Yeah. And this actor, I thought, did a really great job, and I really liked her a lot.
1: I, did, I, did I think too. she,
0: like, for a younger actor, she really had that gravitas that Guinan had, even though, like, most of the time she's just mad at Picard this episode. <laughs> yeah. In a, in a non Guinan way, like, there was some of Guinan in her.
1: Totally. And it's not totally clear to me, like, exactly what she is capturing about the character, but it's that there's something there. Yeah. And this scene. I don't know why this scene in particular, but like what one thing I wrote down in my notes was like, it feels like maybe this season we find out what Guinan was going to do with her hands to Q. Yeah. Like if this character starts becoming part of the cast, I kind of feel like that may be where we're headed is like, what is the origin story of Picard and Guinan's friendship? Mm-hmm. Why are they like closer than friends? Cl- closer than family. Closer than family. And
0: I will let him go. And you must do the same.
1: Yeah, and and what happens when Q catches those hands? Right.
0: Yeah. What Picard tells her next proves his time traveler identity, and at the same time
1: makes Guinan super sick. Yeah, there is an Alorian's only disease. I think they said afkelp. kelp. Yeah, and uh, it's called time sickness in English.
0: I added a little afkelp kelp to my green smoothie <laughs> this morning, and just an update on that. Feeling solid. Good. Solid as Sears.
1: I there's a lot of antioxidants in kelp.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm totally not inflamed. Yeah. I'm anti inflamed.
1: Yeah. It's good. It's it, your your face is looking a lot less puffy. Oh, that's good. You look like you're ready to take the stage tonight and uh really put on a great show. And wow. only, like, everybody listening to this will have been at that show and know what a bad prediction that wound you're, up being. You're
0: suggesting a, a crossover, in audience between live show and The Greatest Discovery? I think it's
1: one-to-one. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so... She's like hurling in the corner of the bar, but it's like, you know, she's leaving the bar. Like who even, she doesn't need to clean that up, right?
0: That's crazy. Yeah. She just boots onto the floor. <laughs> like the suggestion that I think most bars would have like floor drain areas behind the counter. Like maybe
1: right. she just kind of moves it with a shoe. Oh yeah. Yeah. She, she booted it into that like black rubber mesh that they put down so that you yeah. can spill stuff on the floor and it. Or Doesn't like where the slippery. dishwasher
0: discharges, like the gray water goes into like a pipe and like a a drain
1: behind right. the bar. Oh yeah, and then the, you just pick the the chunks out in the in the sieve filter. This is probably all stuff Stu and Charlene know
0: all about as <laughs> as bar owners.
1: Yeah, we should. Uh, where's want... the Where's the best place to puke on a floor in a bar? I want Guinan to go on I Know the Owner, Mm Charlene's podcast about being a barkeep.
0: But, like, even this bit of trivia does not convince Guinan of anything. Like, Picard does a magic trick to make her throw up. Yeah. But Guinan is still not on board. She has given up on humanity. That's the point of this scene.
1: Yeah. I mean, it kind of, it's an act of desperation on Picard's part, but you can kind of read it as being, like, kind of a dick move. Like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You really aft-gelped me, man? What the fuck? (laughs) You know, if I wanted to, I could uh, get you the other way. (laughs) So uh, back at LAPD HQ, Rafi and Seven are leaving in disgust. And Rafi's idea is, hey, maybe we steal one of the laptops out of one of these police cruisers. And uh, use that to find out where Rios is. And she she pulls out the gun that she brought from the ship.
0: What the hell happened to no phasers?
1: Uh, Seven takes great umbrage with it, but worth it for the effect of seeing a phaser just break the window in a car.
0: This is one of my favorite effects that I've seen on New Star Trek in a long time. It was so cool. Yeah, the sound design of it, the the look of how it kind of dissolved and broke at the same time.
1: Yeah. Really cool. Super duper cool. And it's pretty quick that she's uh, hacked the system with the use of her tricorder and found information about where Rios is, W slash R slash T, ICE detention facilities. Right. Seven sees a couple of cops come out of the building and realizes that they may be drawing attention to themselves. So she hops in the other side with Rafi and they finally get in touch with Dr. Jurati, who... They're like, oh, great. So you can beam us to where we need to go. This is perfect. And Jurati's like, actually, the system just went back into self-repair mode. And so I cannot use the transporters at the moment. And there's an interesting cut here. It cuts over to the Borg Queen and back without really saying anything. And I thought that the implication of that was that the Borg Queen is somehow... It seems like she's separated from the ship on some level, but maybe is also throwing wooden shoes with little Borg enhancements into the works also.
2: Yeah. Hence the word sabotage.
1: I think so. I think that's what's happening. Somehow she's uh, she's undermining the mission.
0: Hey, can I uh, make a bet with you? Hmm.
1: Yeah, I'm you, not a betting man, but... Do you uh, like to
0: gamble? Do not, but uh, proceed. <laughs> How sure are you that Gerardi is going to get assimilated again this season? Pretty I, sure. <laughs> so am I. Like, <laughs> leaving them alone together was a bad idea. And I half expected at some point this episode for Seven and Raffi to blow in a call to Gerardi and have it just be assimilated Gerardi <laughs> pick up the phone.
1: <laughs> yeah. Borg's queen residence. Borg's queen speaking. A Borg collective of two is a... Yeah. It's a sad state of affairs for that Borg queen.
0: But this is a moment that suggests that in Jurati's desperation, she will turn to the queen for help in flipping on the transporter.
1: Yeah. She's like, nothing I can do right now, so you guys are just going to have to continue to lay low and seven starts the car she doesn't even do that thing where she like pulls down the sun visor and finds the keys in it yeah it's just ready to go yeah and uh they drive out of the police parking lot and we hear on the radio that uh they're (laughs) they are starting to rack up stars on the (laughs) grand theft auto police chase scale
0: Seven and Rafi argue while driving in a way that I think is very familiar to most couples, probably <laughs> right seven just get around them, get around them.
1: you think I'm not trying
0: like I found the scene very lived in in a familiar <laughs> way, like driving places with my parents. I would argue with them like this about directions or with my wife on occasion, like it's frustrating to try to get somewhere and you're late or you're lost or you're evading the cops, like
1: <laughs> yeah. This
0: this felt real to me.
1: Yeah. Raffi is threatening to give uh, Seven a bad Uber rating. Yeah.
2: Give me a little flock here. This thing's an antique.
0: This is not the coolest vehicular moment of the episode to me, though. That award goes to Guinan's totally sick Bronco. Damn, that was cool.
1: Uh. Where'd they get that thing?
0: (laughs) So amazing. Guinan's like, I know how emotional I got giving away my dog. I'm keeping the Bronco. Like, I'm going off planet, but I'm taking the Bronco with me. Taking it to space.
1: (laughs) I will find a way to get fuel for this thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Guinan gets a nice long scene here to describe the pace of change that she's experienced on Earth and specifically in L.A. Mm -hmm. And gets more and more disgusted the more she describes how things are and the ways that things have changed that have not been for the positive.
1: She's really heartbroken about the state of humanity and is, you know, like donating stuff to a local mission that helps unhoused people. And, you know, using this as sort of a visual aid as she explains to Picard, what has spurned her decision to leave this hopeless planet. This scene is tough, man. Like it, feels super real like it's
0: almost too convincing like i think the show is trying to give picard the opportunity to make the case for humanity but picard's case is very weak in the face of how Guinan is describing the situation this has got to be a real Challenge to write a scene like this is to not weight it so heavily on the Guinan side. Yeah. So that as an audience, you get hopeless. But I'm not sure if that worked because I listened to Guinan and I was like, pretty much.
2: (laughs) Good luck with that.
1: It feels to me like they were self-conscious about the imagery of an old white man telling a young black woman that change just keep waiting yeah change positive changes will be right around the corner for you yeah like I, i think that that's in the scene and it's the degree to which that is a hard pill to swallow a hard line to buy for her is part of why the scene worked for me
0: i almost wish they went harder in that direction in
1: the direction you're describing like make it more textual instead of subtextual
0: yeah just in a like you of all people and then she like looks him up and down yeah
1: like don't tell me to wait yeah she does get close to that but she doesn't say it exactly in that way and yeah i think that that might have slapped even harder
0: it appears things aren't so bad for you given The sweet
1: Bronco (laughs) you're loading your remaining belongings into. The uh, subtle detail of uh, the exterior paint finish on the gear shifter is really delightful.
0: (laughs) Back at the ICE detention facility, Rios and Teresa get into their backstories. This is something they didn't have the chance to do while she was taping together his fingers and she like very astutely like flips the conversation back at rios in that rideshare driver kind of way like the rideshare <laughs> driver gets asked what they're up to with every passenger right and teresa flips it back on rios and it's like no but really you're the interesting one mm-hmm. like
1: what's going on with you yeah what's your problem
0: dude yeah and part of that comes with I think the knowledge of how safe she is relative to Rios in a moment like this. Totally. She knows she's getting out.
1: She's got the paperwork to be released, and she's not stressing. Their conversation is actually interrupted by the cruel ice officer out of Central Casting. You're as cruel as ice. (laughs) Ready to sacrifice my crush on
0: Teresa. (laughs)
1: <laughs> when teresa leaves this is when rios actually explains who he really is and uh one rule of greatest jenny you can always do bits on ice officers all i do is it's
0: bits, bits. no matter a good
1: rule. do them at your own risk because ice officers are willing to break the law to do whatever the fuck they want but i liked rios like just Explaining the premise of the show and what's gone on up to now, basically.
0: He is a surprising amount of levity on this show in a way that, like, you'd expect Allison Pill's character to just be the constant in that area, but Rios has really been that guy this season.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you know you're not going to be able to give them the paperwork and you know you're basically going to get worst-case scenario treatment, like, what are the downsides of just kind of, like, kicking a little sand in their face?
0: I'm going to miss Teresa and I hope we see her again, but I'm glad they didn't do that moment in this scene where Teresa's dragged away, wanting to remain with her new crush. Like, there isn't a bunch of sugar dumped on the end of this scene.
1: Yeah, they're not, like, kissing through the cyclone fencing or anything. She
0: sprung from prison and on Rios, but that's, like, as far as it goes.
1: Yeah. Hey, Adam. Did you know that there's still a car chase going on? Oh, right.
0: (laughs) Seven is hammering this police cruiser through traffic.
1: Yeah. They're doing a lot of, of, you know, stopping short. It's like the kind of car chase where the person driving the car has never driven a car before. Yeah. But she's also, like, pretty adept at it. I don't know if it's beginner's luck or like her starship piloting skills on display here right but uh yeah we just get a little a brief car chase interlude and then we're back to rios getting loaded up onto a deportation bus
0: yeah by the ice agent who just really fucking loves his job yeah
1: some people choose to wear more and we encourage that okay like he goes home from work delighted he wakes up on monday morning looking forward to another yeah. another week
0: yeah back on the la Serena, the borgs queen and Gerardi spar over what she needs and what she's willing to trade in order to
1: get it what do you trade with a a borgs a borgs only wants one thing you yeah and it seems like what is offering is like i'll like keep talking to you basically
0: this scene was impregnated with That feeling of, like, you know, every time you call home to talk to your parents, Uh it's never enough. Right. It's almost like when the conversation's over, like, you should call more often or whatever. (laughs) The vibe of this scene is filled with that tension of, like, the Borg's queen always wants more from you. Yeah. More than you're willing to offer and that was the vibe that i got from this jurati like yeah maybe i'll sit with you and play cards nana every once in a while and she's like well why don't you come every sunday that would be nice come
1: give the borg's queen a kiss i put some borg individually wrapped candies out of a dish to <laughs> attract you over to this part of the ship Right? Is that just me? No, I, I think that Nanoborg is, is what <laughs> we're going to have to call her from,
0: from now on. You know what? Uh, they almost destroyed the entire race of Borgs with the Nanoborgites. Oh, remember? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They zoom in microscopically into the nanoborgites, and they're like little chipmunk voices, like "I'm cold." <laughs>
1: they, they all have kind of like poofy gray hair. Yeah. <laughs> Does anyone want soup? Shelley says that the bingo game was rigged last week.
0: Well, your uncle Ted's dead.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, yeah, the trade is that is proposed is I'll call more often if you help me get the transporters back online. Yeah. And the queen agrees to this. And uh it's kind of like right at the last moment, like Seven and Rafi like are surrounded by cop cars. It's full five stars. Yeah. Police cruisers are like flying off of cliffs yeah. in an effort to get them. <laughs> yeah, you're starting to see like Hummers and stuff come yeah. out of you know. But they they also have to stop moving because the transporter is not like quite up to speed to grab a moving target so they stop their car and the cops watch with their jaws dropped as seven and Rafi get beamed away the cops
0: really have no other option than to open fire into the car like they don't understand who or what is in there but they just shoot anyway
1: they felt threatened yeah. you know <laughs> <laughs> this is a w- very dangerous job <laughs>
0: We get the mention of the Sanctuary District. That's the destination that Rios is being taken to. Yeah. On Uh, the border, they said. But the border would be south. Why is this bus going up to... A place called
2: Castaic.
1: But, like, it's a city far north of L.A. Yeah, it was like 25 miles... Oh, but he was in a facility 25 miles north, so maybe now he's being moved south?
0: Oh, okay. Is that what's going on?
1: Yeah, so it's all very confusing. But Raffi and Seven, this is one thing that I think is a problem with the episode: is Raffi and Seven get beamed from a sitting position to a standing position. Right. And uh, we know that that's not how it works. I wouldn't like that. It would have been funny if they'd fallen on their butts and then been like, "Okay, now we gotta, yeah. now we gotta hijack a an ice bus."
0: I mean, if you can manipulate people's bodies mid beam, yeah, you could. As a chiropractor, that's probably all you'd need to do, right? You just have two tables in your office, and you just beam a person from one table to the other. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's why uh, easy
1: money. That's why Lieutenant Barkley uh, always has a sore back, right? He's afraid of that. I've become obsessed.
0: This is a successful beam, though. They're they're just beamed in the middle of the road, yeah, ahead of where Rios's bus is coming, and this is a fun scene because. In the short term, they're like, oh, what a relief. We're no longer five stars in GTA. But as the bus approaches, what do they do?
1: All of their ideas are bad. Yeah. I mean, it's like, how do you hijack a bus? How do you liberate a prisoner and not step on any butterflies in the process? Yeah. This is going to be a big deal, whatever they do. The
0: fugitive without butterflies is impossible. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not a butterfly. I don't care! I mean, that's... That's the sort of totally incoherent statement made on one of our shows that is actually, like, the representation of what we
1: do. Yeah, that's kind of... That's That's it in in a nutshell.
0: That's like the one dumb one-off t-shirt that we should just make. We'll <laughs> yeah. sell eight of them and then, and then
1: be done with it. Yeah, if we can figure out a way to do that, that would be great. Yeah.
0: Back with Guinan, the last of her shit gets packed up. And as she gets ready to hop into her totally kick-ass Bronco, Picard gets desperate enough to tell her his real name.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing that persuades her.
0: And that makes her Brando. Shit. The earlier thing, just using her quote against her, makes her puke. But Jean-Luc Picard is like a Dumb and Dumber style toilet filler. (laughs) (laughs) The
2: toilet doesn't flush.
1: I didn't mean to do that, but you left me no choice. (laughs) I'm sorry we didn't do it when we're back closer to the bathroom. This
0: changes Guinan's whole script with him. Yeah. This gets her to open up quite a bit, actually, about who he's looking for. He's
1: been assuming that she's the Watcher, and and it's very much like confirmation bias. Like, oh, this is someone I recognize. Definitely this will be who I'm looking for.
0: Right. And she's like, nah, actually, it's not me. Yeah. And you keep throwing around the word watcher. You're actually looking for a supervisor. This is like, <laughs> this would be funny if, if Picard was like, I'm looking for the watcher. And Guinan's like, why do you keep using the and ahead of things, you fucking old? <laughs> it's not what we call things. <laughs> they're actually called a supervisor. And these are people assigned to protect uh, VIPs and their destinies.
1: Yeah. What uh... do
0: you mean, the destiny? And Guinan's like, this is so annoying
1: he's like thank you i'm really excited about meeting her and she's like you won't when you actually do yeah and so we cut to macarthur park lake right outside of max fun hq this is like literally across the street from max fun hq where they're sitting
0: yeah this is not fish loading day
1: luckily (laughs) you want to schedule your shoot around that probably So she's explaining, like, buckle up, the Watchers, is, uh, is, like, really fucking hates me and is n- you're not going to be super thrilled by this situation.
0: You know what's weird is seeing Guinan nervous about anything or anyone. Yeah. Guinan was on the ship during Best of Both Worlds and was, like, cleaning the glassware. <laughs> like, she was <laughs> as chill as most. she's ever been. Yeah. During the most scary moments, and to see her on the park bench kind of, like, drumming her fingers nervously, and when this weird girl pops up to see her physically react. Yeah. Yikes. It made me nervous.
1: Yeah. One thing I noticed uh, in this episode that I didn't pick up on in the last episode is that they're shooting L.A. like it's Mexico in a 90s movie. It's Sicario L.A. for sure. Yeah. I wonder if that's just a, like, to remind... It's an homage
0: to Traffic, one of the great movies of all time. Kind of feels like it, right? (laughs) (laughs) Sounds
2: like they're conspiring to conspire.
1: (laughs) So this little uh, children of the corn girl comes up and is like, you better get the fuck out of here, Guinan. You know the Watcher doesn't want to see you. And Guinan, like, gives Picard his communicator badge back, and he goes with the creepy little girl who kind of... What's that Denzel Washington movie where, like, the bad guy is, like, a ghost that keeps getting passed from person to person?
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Time is on my side ghost movie. I like that movie. I yeah. can't
0: remember it, though.
1: Fallen. That sort of seemed to be the mechanic here. Like, different people have no pupils in their eyes, like Jordy, And uh, yeah. kind of guide Picard Kind to- of a
0: zombie baton being passed around.
1: And uh, as he's being led through the park, it, it uh, is explained to him that these are people that are being actually possessed by the Watcher herself. You know, if we could just stop here, I would like some fresh fruit. Oh, look at this guy. He's cutting up mangoes <laughs> and putting tahini on them. I love that. <laughs> I'm not quite ready to go. <laughs> In my time, mangoes have gone extinct. In fact, we've come back to the past to bring mangoes to the future.
0: There is a line of dialogue here that I want to speak directly to the writer's room about. Uh Like, if I could just go into the room for the moment that this was written and ask this question. This line of dialogue is said, and I hope it's dropped into the show. Picard says... Why are you doing this? What is this pantomime? How close was the writer's room to saying... What is this charade? Because <laughs> that's Picard's word.
1: The
2: only thing I'm guilty of is allowing the charade to go on so long.
1: That is his word. And, you know, we would have been up on the couch, jumping up and down if oh, he yeah. said
0: it. <laughs> I mean, maybe he says it a couple different ways as he's
1: want to do. I wonder if they got a take of him saying "charade" and the editor was like, "I can't do it. I just can't do it. It's too weird. <laughs> no one says it like that. It, it's if, just bizarre." If you've got an editor that isn't a Trek fan, yeah, you know.
0: I'm gonna talk to your supervisor. Okay. Yeah,
1: maybe. Maybe that's it. I also really like how each of these characters is clearly like disoriented and going like, "What the hell just happened?" When they're, when I their expected the little back.
0: girl to start screaming. Yeah. There should be more screaming in MacArthur Park
1: anyway. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty. (laughs) Trust me. (laughs) But uh, we meet the Watcher, Adam. Big surprise. I did not see this coming. Yeah. But I'm glad. You're glad that it's Orla Brady. Yeah.
0: I am, too. Really glad. Like her a lot. Yeah. She's a pill. She is not Laris. No. Definitely. Because... uh, She kind of gives Picard some guff before they disappear through a smoky door.
1: Yeah, like a cube of smoke appears around them and then disappears. Yeah. This was a cool effect.
0: I liked it. Yeah.
1: Would you mind if I go grab some of that fruit before we go? (laughs) Oh, we're leaving now? Okay, well, maybe we'll get some later. The button on the
0: episode is a patio area where Q is reading a newspaper which has a front page story about Chris Brenner fighting unionization.
2: Uh, I'm Chris Brenner.
1: Union buster.
2: You know, interface, operations, net access,
1: channel 90. I knew he was an asshole. I knew it. I fucking knew it. God, I love it. There's a a young woman reading a Tracy Torme Dixon Hill novel that he seems to be sort of like narrating, like he's saying like the words from the book. And she's kind
0: of like she's not reading out loud, but her lips are moving as she reads also. And that's
1: matching what Q is saying. Yeah. And she seems to be sort of out of earshot. There's a lot of wild stuff going on in the scene. One other thing is that we've seen these Europa Mission ads all over L.A. He's wearing a Europa Mission patch on his jacket. There's a guy in the background in a Europa Mission jumpsuit. So, like, are they outside, like, a Europa Mission convention or something? Like, What does it mean? What is this Europa Mission shit? It means Europa. It means Urengay. <laughs>
0: No, I'm sorry, okay?
1: Who's the the book is called The Pallid Sun? I wonder if they considered going with the Wan Sun. Anyways, Q attempts to snap his fingers for some reason, and it doesn't work. You
0: know what? The wansan never (laughs) likes to order at the Chinese
1: restaurant. The (laughs) wontons. No wontons for (laughs) wansan is what I'd call the book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it seems that somebody has snatched Q's powers, and uh, he is none too happy about that. That's our episode, Adam. Did you like it? I really like this episode. It didn't really like seem to follow like a super traditional episode arc where I felt like there was a stated problem at the beginning for everyone to solve. Like it, it feels like a connective tissue ish episode that is nonetheless exciting and interesting. I thought that the the chase stuff was fun. I thought that the Allison Pill and the Borg Queen kind of flirting and like, we didn't even talk about this, but like Alice and Pill like totally reneging on the deal at the end
0: yeah. <laughs> was so brutal. Yeah, if the Borg's queen had balls, like she got put in the Borg's kicking machine <laughs> <laughs> by Allison Pill in a fun way. Yeah.
2: Agnes.
1: It just worked real great for me, and I'm uh, I'm really enjoying this season of Star Trek Colin Picard so far. How about you? I really responded to the first part of what you said, which is that
0: this is definitely a connective tissue episode. Yeah. And I ordinarily don't like those, but I do like this episode in totality. Like, when I think a lot about it, this is just, like, the pieces have advanced on the board of the season, yeah. a couple of squares. Right. And that's really all that happened here. But I like how they moved. Yeah. And that's why the episode was effective to me. But one thing I wanted to discuss just briefly was how for this episode and maybe half of the last, it's Rios just being the passenger of his own story. Mm -hmm. And his passivity feels weak to me in a way that I don't want. Like, I wish he resisted a bit more. His circumstances. And you could argue that he does not resist more because he doesn't want to kill butterflies. But I think the time to resist might have passed. Like, as soon as he's put on the bus, time feels like it's running out for him. And he's not even trying to get out of this situation. And if he's like, he's clearly a great leader and a skilled person in a lot of areas. Yeah. I want to see him try more than. None. Yeah, and that's kind of that's been a little bit of a downer for me.
1: Yeah, he's definitely been in the in the penalty box for the last episode and a half, and uh, hoping he gets more to do next time. Hoping he gets to uh, trade a little bit of saliva with Teresa at some point.
0: One final thing I wanted to say was that our our feelings about ice are stated mm-hmm.
1: clearly, but I hope this episode leads to its abolition.
0: I think virtue dialoguing is the least persuasive kind of signaling that there is. Mm -hmm. And I love putting quarters in the ice ball kicking machine for 45 (laughs) minutes, (laughs) but it feels cynical and masturbatory for that kind of vibe to be coming from future people in a science fiction show and the perspective Of these future people having it all figured out by them. Like, it feels unfortunately judgy from them. Yeah. At us for it. And it just makes me feel bad. Like, yeah, you've got it figured out by your time, but we don't. And it sucks. So, like, I can't articulate it better than that. But, like, I can't complete the criticism in a way that I would like. But I just wish it were different than that. Yeah. Than
1: how they're doing it on this show. Because it feels too easy. I sort of take the other side of it because I think that the thing in past tense that bothered me the most is how these like guys in brown uniforms were styled to be sort of like near future Nazis in a way that felt like just, I mean, at the time the episode came out, less so now, felt just like, yeah, give me a break. Like, when is the U.S. going to have... Like Nazi cops hanging around. And in this, it feels like a direct criticism of a real thing in a way that that felt like a, you know, like authoritarian cops are bad and Mm -hmm. we shouldn't have them. And it kind of stylized the cops enough that it it was like, oh, this isn't, this is hashtag not all cops kind of energy that we're getting from DS9. Whereas this is like, really pointing a finger at a specific organization. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I think that there may be something to what you're saying about it, trying to kind of split the baby and say, this isn't police in general. This is ice in particular, Mm -hmm. which is unfortunate if, if that's what they're trying to do. But I think there is not enough like popular media about what a sick fucking situation, the immigration situation in the United States is. And like, I guess I'm just saying I'm here for the criticism and here for like the pop culture things just not shying away from condemning that stuff.
0: Yeah, I I just wonder how much speaking to the choir the show is doing in a you know every time Star Trek does something like this there's like the 5% of the audience that is like why are you being so political in a what <laughs> where have you been the whole time kind of way. Right. But I'm wondering if things get a little more complex with mm. this depiction or if this is going to be what it is for the rest of the season
1: yeah yeah it uh, remains to be seen well we'll have to wait for future episodes but for now do you want to get into the priority one inbox see what we got in there oh yeah
2: priority one message from starfleet coming in on Secured channel
1: adam our first priority one message is from a local xenobiologist and it's to adam and ben Goes like this. Star Trek colon discovery famously canonized that Klingons have two dicks. The only logical course of action is to extrapolate genital loaf for other species. While the Bajoran clitoral hood is clearly ridged, what of the Cardassian vag? Do Vulcan cocks have fins like a 59 caddy? Only you have the Star Trek and dick joke chops to solve these mysteries. Well, how
0: much time do you have, a local xenobiologist?
1: <laughs> I mean, I think that Cardassians clearly have cloacas. I know you didn't hear it in the feed,
0: but 59 caddy reference to the Vulcan cock was very funny to me. <laughs> very funny indeed. Also, just the term genital loaf. Mm-hmm. It sounds plausibly clinical yeah, to me. Yeah. Like you go to the Beverly Hills dog vagina <laughs> plastic surgeon and they're like, yeah, the problem is the uh, genital loaf is <laughs> something we need to tuck.
1: Yeah. Do you think Andorian dongs have uh, antenna at the end? Like they look like blue snails. Let me
0: tell you something, man. It is very easy to find the Andorian
1: clit. <laughs> <laughs> i mean
0: you have to be a real
1: dope not to find that guy <laughs> that is a very tall man in the canoe yeah i love it yeah i mean i think that every species has some fun stuff going on in their pants let's just put it that
0: way yeah every species except human yeah just so basic just our human our dumb human junk <laughs> great question a local xenobiologist Uh, great job by you our second priority one message is from Sam it's to Ben and Adam the message goes like this you two dummies are the smartest funniest Star Trek podcasters and I'm so grateful for you driving around with a huge smile during this return to a two shows a week schedule great work excited to see you in Seattle hey Boy, the Seattle part was a surprise. After the description of driving around with a huge smile, that is <laughs> not my experience there.
1: <laughs> this is a person with very heavily tinted windows, yeah. so you haven't seen it before.
0: You're also both excellent dog namers. Ah, thank you. I'm brainstorming trek names for my future pup. I was set on Tilly, but now I'm thinking Agnes. Wow! Help.
1: Good call.
0: I personally love an old person name for a dog. So look, I love Tilly about as much as anyone, but Agnes is a great old person name and I love old person names for dogs. Maybe Queen
1: Nana, something you might want to consider if you're going old person names for a lady dog. Do like that. Yeah. I mean, if we're going to be using queen names, maybe Borg's Queen. Mm Mm-hmm. I like it. Well, uh, if you'd like to get a priority one message and get your pet named by us or say something to somebody else or promote a business or a project that you're doing. Maybe describe a weird way you're driving around your city. (laughs) (laughs) Head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron.
0: That should be a bumper sticker. I'm not smiling at you. I'm listening to The Greatest Generation (laughs) and reloading. (laughs)
1: Jesus. (laughs) Twist ending on that bumper sticker. How many lines can we fit on the bumper sticker that's just twist
0: after twist? and reloading and my child is an honor student at starfleet academy
1: keep honking i'm listening to the greatest generation's meteoric sensation (laughs) that one where they said fuck Bokai. we gotta be
0: making these bumper stickers man
1: Well, uh, Adam, there's just one more bit of business that we got to get to. Did you discover yourself an Edward Larkin? Larkin.
0: I'm gonna call my Larkin the Borgs Queen this episode. Wow, that that needy Borgs Queen. (laughs) Maybe as a as a buy low Larkin, right? Like I I think the Borgs Queen might be even more appropriately Larkin's later on. I think the potential's there. Yeah. Maybe starting right now. She's a weirdo. She's real chaotic evil. She's kind of got a strange, like, mean girl's energy about her. (laughs) In a way that, like, on paper, I don't think I would go for. But I'm just intrigued by this performance. Yeah. And what's happening. I'm here for it, too. Um, It's interesting, like, the sexual nature of the previous Queen's relationship to Picard slash Locutus. Yeah. To remove that completely and instead have it a girl-girl antagonistic relationship is such an interesting
1: yeah. way to twist it. yeah. It's interesting. I wonder how much was Allison Pills season just about trading barbs with the Borg Queen?
0: I don't know. I mean, this is an episode that definitely paired people off and sent them away. Yeah. And it makes you wonder for how many more episodes that'll be the case. Because I do really like the ensemble of this crew. And we've gotten very, very little of that
1: in these first four episodes. I was thinking more about that last episode of season four of disco and how much the like engineers all being together, but Jet Reno being on the radio felt like it was maybe COVID dictated. Yeah. And many other like things that's that plausible happened in, this case. in that season that just seemed a little bit strange and maybe could be explained as having had to do with practicalities of shooting during a pandemic as much as anything else. And these these pair offs kind of feel like they might have a similar explanation behind them, but who knows? What my, about you, Ben? My Larkin is going to be Rios for. Uh, I mean, I just think that like the choice to bust the chops of the guy that has already tased you in the ICE detention facility is such a such a a mad choice. <laughs> like, a, uh, yeah, like continue to physically abuse me. Like, I'm I'm just going to bust your chops more. This is a totally random question. Do you think,
0: much in the way that those in the military, like, you get gassed and stuff. Right. Like, so that you know what it feels like. Do you think that being tased is equivalent to being phased? And do oh. you think that when you join Starfleet, you're shot with a phaser so you know how it feels? Wow. I mean, I... because. Speaking to your comment, it's a weird choice to, like, see the taser and maybe the idea is I've been phased. Like, there's no way that that could do what a phaser does.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Don't phase me, bro. Yeah. That's all I have to say to that. It is a weird flex for
0: him. And fortunately, like, one of the moments where he, like, reacted in a way instead of being so passive the way he was throughout the ep.
1: Yeah. Good one. Uh, We got another Star Trek Picard screener queued up, so listen for uh, Wendy's description of that in the credits. But that is the end of this here episode, and uh, we're back on our once-a-week schedule, and uh, we're back on tour. So if if you want to see us live, head to greatestgentour.com we'll probably be in a town near you yeah this week if you're listening to
0: this episode uh, the week of we'll be in toronto
1: yeah one of our favorite places really looking forward to that show and uh, as of this recording not a ton of tickets left so you know sometimes
0: people say that and they're like just trying to sell tickets we really mean it yeah. like toronto is very close to selling out very
1: very close indeed so heads to greatest tour.com lock them down
2: The Greatest Discovery is an Uxbridge Shimoda podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. It's hosted by Ben Harrison and Adam Pranica, produced and edited by Wendy Pretty. Next up on Star Trek Picard, it's Episode 5, Fly Me to the Moon. Picard discovers an important person from his past may be integral to the divergence in the timeline. Q continues his manipulation, taking an interest in Dr. Adam soon, while Jurati faces the consequences of her deal with the Borg Queen. The original music that you hear on this show is all thanks to Adam Ragusia. You can subscribe to his YouTube cooking channel and check out his new podcast. And thanks to Bill Tilly, the social media director for Uxbridge Shimoda. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Greatest Trek. We'll be back next week with more of The Greatest Discovery.